Podcraft. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast, Relationships. Let's talk about it. I'm Preble Toplitsky. I'm a psychotherapist specializing in relationship issues. Everybody's got one. Partners, family, friends, co-workers, neighbors, relationships. Let's talk about it. Welcome, everybody, to this episode, It's Good to Have Great Neighbors. And before I tell you about this episode, I would like to welcome a new sponsor to this episode, Double Exposure Art. Double Exposure is a fine art printmaking business located in Fletcher, North Carolina, near the Asheville Airport. It is owned by my neighbor, Sally, and her husband, Randy, who is speaking with me today on this episode. The Frasers, along with Anna Melton and their three-dog alarm system, are passionate about helping artists archive and reproduce their artwork. And what sets them apart is their commitment to accurately color matching your work. That dedication, combined with their use of top-quality inks and papers and canvas, will give you a product you'll be proud to share with your public. So for listeners of this podcast, Double Exposure is offering a 20% off your first high-resolution digital capture. You can only get this one-time discount by using the secret code name PREPO. So contact DoubleExposureArt.com. In this episode, you can pick your friends, but most of the time you can't pick your neighbors. If you're lucky, you have good neighbors, and man, you can consider yourself blessed. Neighbors play an important role in our lives and our community, and a neighbor relationship can be quite unique. And on this episode, I speak with Randy Frazier, one of my neighbors for the last 19 years. And we speak about what makes a good neighbor, stories of how looking out for others and helping any way you can not only makes life easier, but can be a necessity depending on where you live. And I talk about what makes Randy a very unique, great neighbor and some stories on how he looks out for his fellow neighbors and how he has enhanced my family's life in particular. I hope this conversation is inspiring to you and you develop or deepen your relationship with your neighbors. It can make your home life far more pleasant. Enjoy listening. All right, I'm excited about this one. I've been asking this man to do it for a while and we're gonna talk about neighbors. This is Randy Frazier, who we have been neighbors for almost 20 years now. Almost 20 years. Almost 20 years. So we live in, we call it an intentional neighborhood. We live up in the mountains. So we have seven homes that are deeded about an acre a piece and then have about 45 acres that we share, which we don't do much with. We don't build on and so forth. We just steward the beautiful forest. Came in uh, probably six years after the founding member. Which was uh, what year? Well, we came in ninety. Two started okay. building a house in 93. Okay. I think the first house was built, started in 84. So there was, what, three houses here? We were the sixth. Right. Yep. I would just say that everybody would consider, I know that maybe you're going to blush on this, but everybody's going to consider you and your beautiful wife, Sally, 
as being one of the most neighborly neighbors around here. You guys are, one, you're always up for a party because we actually had one yesterday at one o'clock, the hurricane party at Randy and Sally's house. Yes, we did. And one reason why we get to have it there because they are on and off the grid. So they, nobody knew. That's right. <laughs> nobody knew because we had power. We always had power at Randy's yep. house. Yep. We have uh, solar, electricity, and so it's wonderful to be at Randy's house on all occasions. They always throw parties. You throw your New Year's Day annual party, Super Bowl parties. And you don't exclude anybody. There's the people from the surrounding areas. It's always uh, exciting when the first person that shows up to party is somebody you don't even know, Mm. which happens. So it's a good time. So I wanted to elaborate more on those those parties that you have, especially the, the game day party. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's usually late fall, winter? Peak of fall is when we do the hacky sack day. It was a hacky sack day. And then for people that weren't playing hacky sack, it developed into just game day, any other games and people want to play. So explain hacky sack, because there's many people that have no clue of what hacky sack is. I don't believe that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if there are, uh, I should give it a try. It's a little ball about the size of a uh, golf oh. ball. Sometimes more as big as a baseball or even a softball. Uh-huh. They're filled with sand. They're soft. Filled with sand. Some of them are filled with glass beads. Some of them with, you know, I've seen them with ball bearings, big heavy weight. And the idea is to kick it around with your feet. Can't Uh, touch it with your hands. You can't touch it with your hands unless you absolutely, bam, there it is. It's not the idea to play with your hands. It's a a foot game. It's because it's actually called a foot bag. Hacky Mm. Sack was a trademarked name by Whammo when they tried to make a go of it with it. The idea is to kick the ball with your feet and pass it around in a circle to everybody that's in the circle and see how many times you can actually get it to go around with everybody hitting it. And that's a a hack, and it's a cooperative game. It's a cooperative game, yeah. There's no competition to it. There's two rules. What are the rules? Can't say you're sorry. Can't say sorry. And you can't use your hands. Yes. Right. Yeah. That's a great one. Not saying sorry like when you mess up, you can't say it. It's okay. And some people really are sorry and say it, but Mm -hmm. we understand. So So people get together, make a big circle on your driveway, and and that's how it works. Yeah. Yeah. And then it got into people who didn't play hacky sack, then they needed other games to play. We come over and we have tons of other games. Scrabble, Upwards, Rummy Cubes, crossword puzzles you can put together. We have Skittles. Uh, we even have a shuffleboard, mm-hmm. little shuffleboard game in the house that you can play. So and it's a great neighbor thing to do, man, just yeah. to have a game day. Yeah, it's a good time. Mm-hmm. And it went on into the Super Bowl when we have the Super Bowl. We have a, that's another game day that we do. Same thing. All the games come out, and a few people that like to watch the football hang around long enough to see the football game. Mm-hmm. But tons of games. Yep. We get together on your house, especially when we have some storms, like uh, out each, because uh, you have a, a solar-powered house, and so you are off the grid. That means that you're self-sustainable. So there was a time, I can't remember, maybe 10 years ago, when we were out for over a week. Mm-hmm. And so all of our food was going to bad, and, and we got together, and you said, come have, on over. Let's have a refrigerator cleaning out party. Exactly. So we had like a feast. Right. I think somebody had a turkey and everything, and right. it was a huge feast that we had at your house of cooking all of the food that was going to go spoiled. And yeah. The five-day feast. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting how like neighbors get together, especially around like storms or 
impending tragedies and things like that. And mm-hmm. you did a special thing for when Hurricane Katrina came in the, the yep. area down south. Yep, we had a rental house in Black Mountain. I think the way it worked out, we had just bought it. It was a 100-year-old house. We'd never do that again. And we got it to a point where people could move into it. And Hurricane Katrina happened. And uh, there were several families that were up here evacuating out of New Orleans. The Tipitina Foundation, I guess, is big at Lake Eden uh, with the Leaf Festival. And they had people that had come up here because they were familiar with the area. And New Orleans was just inhabitable at that time. And they were looking for housing. And we were part of a foundation. We donated the the house. Other people paid for their electric and gas bills and whatever it took to for them to get in that house. And I think we had six or seven families or p- different people of families because the families were coming and going. Some of them were going back to New Orleans to try and get things straightened out down there. But this went on for a year, maybe a little bit longer, housing the people in this house. And it worked out to where everybody finally got their lives back together to the point where they could move on and moved on out. And a lot of them stayed in Black Mountain or the Asheville area. And I think it was largely because of the Tipitina Foundation that they were comfortable here and had stuff that was going on here that somehow mirrored what they were doing in New Orleans. Wow. It all works out. Uh, It was really neighborly of you. Yeah. Yeah. Extended neighborhood. Extended neighborhood, yeah. Boy, I remember one one time that I needed your neighborly help when my pipes froze and (laughs) (laughs) had that nice leak underneath my house and... And you came, and we got all nice and dirty and wet for hours and hours underneath the house, and and helped me fix that. And even I think you even had a coupling that I don't have. That was that's a cool thing, was especially when we're doing plumbing work around the neighborhood. Everybody's got a certain coupling that the other one needs. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, and, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> so I mean, in in emergencies like that, I mean, it's fantastic because where we live, of course, it's half hour to the closest uh, hardware store and. Not many uh, handyman and plumbers really like to come out where we are. Yep. So trouble getting workers out here. Yeah. So I know for people that are in the city and everything, they don't really have that opportunity. But it's a wonderful opportunity to actually count on your neighbors and ask for help and yep. and to be able to count on them in that in that way of when you need. Yep. That's what we're here for. Yeah. So some things that that are difficult what are some of the things that you think are difficult when we have uh even these wonderful neighbors around that that can make decisions to uh better the neighborhood well everybody has their own idea some of them can get real stubborn yeah. and that's when you have to work on the compromise part yeah so. compromise is is always there in every relationship but especially i think when we have focused objectives to help out the neighborhood people have different ideas of what they want and also different expertise and so everybody's got their their inputs and i think sometimes it takes a little longer to make decisions but in the long run it's really nice when you have people's uh buy-in yep everybody has a different comfort zone right even while we're speaking i don't know if you all can hear that but even we have a chainsaw going on in the background so we got Neighbors always working. It's getting ready for winter, winter time. So neighbors are chainsawing for their wood. And sometimes we even get together and we have splitting parties. Splitting parties, yes. yeah. 
And last night we had an ice event, so there were a lot of branches that came down. I think that's what's getting cleared out of the way in some places out there right now. Yeah. But it's not bad. It's been a lot worse. That's right. Yeah, I think that's an advantage, too, of when we have this long road and, and the roads that people are out. We had, what, five, six people out already on the roads, just clearing the roads. And, mm-hmm. and again, a lot of you don't have that because you have the city doing it and the city maintenance. And so that might feel a wonderful convenience, but there's something about that you can rely on your neighbors to even help you get out. Everybody kind of pitches in and does their thing. Yep. Did you grow up around that? Did you grow up with a family that was open to being yeah. neighborly? Yes. Yeah. There was a lot of socialization in the family and the extended family. There was a lot of coming and going from here to there to, to parties or somebody's house, families or friends. When you come to a place like this intentional community, you come to be a good neighbor hmm. or to work on community relationships. You don't come in here and think, okay. I'm going to seclude myself, not yeah, go out my no. door, not even talk. Yeah. yeah. And come to a place like this for that. Yeah, because one reason, being way out here, we got to rely on each other. We help each other with house projects. We used to monthly meet every Sunday and do a work project on the land or on somebody's house and always had a potluck. We've been a little lax over the years on this. One of the joys of getting older, I think, is what that is. Yeah, slacking off a little bit. I'd say joys of getting older. It ain't always joys of getting older <laughs> sometimes as a friend of ours told us on a boat one time i don't like this getting old shit <laughs> i know what you mean <laughs> well that's one part he just said boat randy's a sailor you've been sailing for how many years forever forever long time you've gone around the world haven't you I mean, halfway halfway around halfway. the world so i want to talk about that a little bit because the one thing that is so incredibly neighborly about you there is not a time that goes by, and I don't know how you do it, because I don't think you put an alarm on your phone, but maybe you do. Every time I or one of my family members are going out of town, you always text, are you home yet? Are you? <laughs> or, Did you take off yet? Everybody say, how do you, is that being a sailor, like you're like a lighthouse, you remember when the people come in and they go out? How do you remember that? It's just somebody's traveling when somebody says they're going to somewhere. My mind always goes, oh boy, yeah. Have I been there? Do I want to go there? Mm. They're going there, so I just... Uh, yeah, but you, you, you also say it in a way, are you safe? Are you home safe? safe? You got to do that. Right. You got to check, you know. But that's so neighborly of you, just to even times when we don't see each other for some weeks, just that kind of communication that I'm, I mentioned to you a couple months before that I was going away for a weekend and you check in with like, you're home from Montana yet? Do you do that to everybody or, or, or I'm I just the just special you, guy? Just you, Prepo. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a, that goes all the way around. That's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. But you do a lot of the traveling. Hmm. Yeah. What do you think makes it easy for you to reach out always for, for help? Anytime that I need help, you know, whether it's something around the house, you're checking in, you know, I say that, hey, you know, I'm going to go take a walk up to my spring water and you're like, hey, you need some help or got a a load of wood. You need some help stacking it? Just a a good neighborly thing to do. Hmm. We all need the exercise. We all need the whatever you can do to help. uh, And if it works out, it does. And being out here, because it is fairly remote, there's plenty of time to do that kind of stuff. Don't bind yourself up with nonsense. Hmm. Do you get that back? Do you feel that people are as generous 
to you. I don't know. You guys are some are, and mm-hmm. some aren't. I mean, mm-hmm. and that's the way it is. No matter what you're doing, get give. You know, so that's the karma, right? Yeah, good karma. You put yeah. it out there. Yep. Yep. You grew up in Delray Beach, Florida. Florida. Yeah. Uh-huh. What was uh, your neighborhood like growing up? Back in the fifties and sixties, uh, I graduated high school in seventy. So at that point in Delray Beach, there was no more than 15,000 people in Delray Beach. You kind of knew everybody. Uh, you had free run of, it was, it was Florida. It, it was always summer. You could get out of the house anytime you wanted. This guy goes barefoot here in the wintertime. That, he's, he's, the, he's the <laughs> Not always. Uh, he, he's the Florida boy, <laughs> that's for sure. It's good to have, walk on uneven terrain. It's good for your feet, good for your whole self. Mm-hmm. But, it, it, you know, us of that age, you just wandered. Mom said, come home at dark. Don't stay out past dark. Houses were all unlocked. Everybody knew everybody. You just walk right into somebody's house. Is Johnny here? You know, oh, he's over at Teddy's. So you go over to Teddy's and, you know, then you get on the bikes and just do whatever you do. You know, it was a much easier time. And did your parents have a lot of friends over? There was a lot of socialization going on. Hmm. So it wasn't something that, you know, we were shy of or anything. I see it as a great childhood. Hmm. And Delray was a, a, you know, a beach town. All different now. There's, you know, solid people from practically Fort Pierce down to Miami. So it's a whole different routine. So, but uh, it, was, it was good. And that, I guess that laid the groundwork for being neighborly and, and being up here. I'd come to camp up here in, in Glenville in 1960, 61 and 62. And when it was time to leave Florida after having three kids, in 1985, 1986, and 1991. And Florida just wasn't the same place that we grew up in. So we were looking for something that might be like what we had. And my memories of camp in Glenville brought us up to this area where we finally wound up here. And Sally, your wife, grew up in Delray Beach Delray also? Delray Beach, too. And you, you met her for the first time when? Well, that goes way back. We do have our kindergarten picture with both of us in the same <laughs> kindergarten. But Sally takes it a little further back to her father being a sailor, kept a ship's log on his boat. And when they brought Sally home from the hospital, he, he made note in the log that they called up the Frasers to borrow their bassinet oh. to give Sally her first bath. Ah, so so that's how you were first connected with her. She well, she yeah, she think, seems to think that at the age of two weeks... We were mingling our biomes. Here we are, <laughs> 67 years later. <laughs> Did she grow up with a real neighborly focus, too? Because yes. yeah, everybody, that, your... everybody that was there was. Oh. I mean, maybe there were people that weren't as neighborly, but I didn't notice that mm-hmm. at that time. But all of Delray was just kids on bikes. There was a lot of, uh, still are a lot of winter residents, but back then the winter residents were over along the beach and when they weren't in residence in the summer it was like pool hopping and mm. just a free-for-all it was, it was a, a good time mm-hmm. she yeah she grew up there it's so unique how you guys open up your house to to people i mean you know being neighborly is is one thing but being openly neighborly i think that that's like another because you're always game for somebody coming over it seems like or that you know you're always 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 this word but that's what i really feel like your house 
has an opening to, to come and to eat. And there's hardly ever time that I can remember that me walking by that I came by to say hello that you weren't available at all. When we came here in 1991, we had just spent two years on the boat, 43-foot sailboat with Sally's dad and the two kids, the two boys, and did a cruise uh, from Florida down through the Bahamas and all the Caribbean to Venezuela and back. And it was a great time. And when we got up here, uh, we lived in a 850 square foot farmhouse for five years after being in there for two years. Of course, the, the farmhouse was a lot bigger than a 43 foot boat. But after two years, we decided to build a house here and we wanted to build a house that was big enough to be able to have parties or gatherings. It was as, as it would be, it wasn't necessarily a party, but just gatherings and ceremonies. And that's what we did. And that's what we got. And that's what we still have. Our most standards would be a large house, but that's why it was built large, was to accommodate gatherings mm-hmm. all times of year. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also the house that was built by our builder, uh, who's a neighbor. He built a very large kind of living room for, for mm-hmm. gatherings. So yep. this kind of neighborhood was the purpose of focusing on gatherings for yep. people. Yep. At least once a month mm-hmm. to have meetings to... Uh, discuss caring for the land because we're a mile in here on a dirt road that we pretty much maintain Mm -hmm. so we would have work days to take care of what needed to be taken care of property wise and get togethers and potlucks and i don't know if that was intentional but knowing in this day and age that we're going to need to rely on our neighbors whether it's like a natural disaster aspect that many neighborhoods and areas are experiencing these days. If you don't know your neighbor, if you don't know them well or feel that you can connect with them, it's not so easy to rely on them. Yep. Just hearing those stories even today after the hurricane in eastern Carolina, people saying, I didn't really know my neighbors, but now I do. We stayed with them. And so it's uh, it happens either way. You can make it happen or it's going to make it happen itself. So. And did you experience that by being on boats? Did other people sailing rely on each other and that kind of neighborly? It's a tight, it's a, it's a real friendly community on boats. And there are some that, that aren't, uh, but you know, most of them are real friendly. And when you pull into an anchorage, people will often just come over and say, oh, how are you? Where are you from? Where are you going? What are you doing? And, you know, well, we've been there, we can tell you this, and this is the way this goes, and, and and that's the way that is, and it's real helpful. It's a real socialization thing that goes on there. I imagine people really help each other out if they need a little bit of supply that one boat has, the other boat doesn't yeah, have. Yeah, because lots of times you're places where you can't get anything. Oh, well, we got some. We got one of those here. Try it and see if it works. Do you have a story of, of any of that, like a hairy experience? That, a story? Yeah, that you have to rely on or... Or you help somebody out. Mm. There's times I'm, you know, one just pops into head. We were in Anchorage one night and summertime in the Bahamas, which was a beautiful time to be there. A thunderstorm came along and they can get some Wallapalooza thunderstorms there. And the two boats in front of us started dragging anchor and coming back on us. And we couldn't, because of that, we couldn't drive up on our anchor and pull our anchor off because they were on top of it. So we had to start the engine and just drive from one side to the other and avoid the boats as they came by. One of them did hit us. We actually threw a line out to him because his, I forgot how, I guess the boat, the other boat had cut his anchor line. 
and they put their engine on. So he had no anchor out, and we just gave him a line and tied him off behind us. And thank goodness our anchor held. But did you become friends after that? <laughs> well, you know, he was a guy that had left Miami. He had a very nice boat. I forget what it was. It was about a thirty-foot boat, and he was taken off to do a Caribbean cruise. And he'd had the boat for a year or more, and he'd planned his whole trip and everything. And at this point, he was maybe a week out of Miami. And he says, that's it. I'm going back. I'm selling the boat. I'm done. And my father-in-law, who had sailed around the world a couple times at that point, told him, that, don't do that. He says, that, that what happened tonight's never going to happen again. You're, <laughs> you're never going to see that happen again. Chances are it may not have ever happened again. Mm. There might have been something else pretty close but different. All kinds of sea stories that go on there. And you no longer have that boat right now. No longer have that boat. How's that feel? I hate this getting old shit. Mm. <laughs> we can't think. Well, what think number are you right now these days? 67. 67. Yeah. But well, you can still climb that mountain, get to that I water source. Still climb up there and get to that water. Yeah, yeah. And you could do a boat. Our boat, it was business concerns that took us away from the boat four mm. years ago. Mm -hmm. and uh, weren't using the boat as much as we had before. So that's why I finally sold the boat. And I there there will be another boat at some point, somewhere, somehow. So I don't know what it'll be, and the time isn't right yet, but when the time's right, there's so many of them out there, it'll be bingo for whatever. Maybe it's just a winter getaway. Or mm -hmm. There's no need to sail around the world. We'll see what happens when that happens. So you're land-bound right now? Yeah. That's your land leg zone. Yeah. I think what's interesting sometimes when in our conversation, do we have similar liberal leanings and political leanings? And But some people in our neighborhood um, didn't, doesn't. And that's an interesting play, like how to still be in connection, care about somebody when you know that they have different values. We have to start, or if somebody is batshit crazy yeah. that you have in the neighborhood, how do you still be neighborly to them? The country's so divided now, somebody's not thinking the way you're thinking, just don't even bring it up, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, a lot of people would say, well, you got to try and talk to them. You can talk to them, but you don't have to get into an argument about what's this way, what's that way. Right. You can still bridge and find things that are meaningful, yep. find things that you have in common. We're human beings. We can have other things in common, especially, like yep. we said, living, living out here. Even though it's boring, we talk about wood. The odd, get a, got enough wood, wood and know? water. <laughs> wood and water. <laughs> Chop wood, carry water. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that is an interesting aspect of still feeling close and caring about somebody who, again, the value system is different. And, and I think if we can't do that as neighbors, how in the hell are nations going to do that? Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> what was really connecting and, and bonding to our family when we came Within, I think, what it was, maybe less than six months after we came, we lost a baby in birth here. And the community, we were just renters in this community. And it was amazing how our neighborhoods and the community next door just came to our support. I just even remember when we had the burial ceremony on the land. I think you made a pathway all the way from the house all the way to the burial site without being asked. So many people just stepped up. And that was one aspect that we knew, wow, we found a community here. We found people that really cared. Takes a village. Yeah. Yep. What brings people together 
in your experience here at Neighbors? All kinds of things bring people together. Tragedies and triumphs, celebrations, and you never know what it will be, but it, it will be something, and it always and it always works. Like when somebody sells a house, you know, they've been here, and then all of a sudden, geez, they're really going to sell, they're going to move. You know, mm. they didn't ever think that would happen, but people move on, people move in. Everything comes together and, and just works out. It, somehow it all works out. So Yeah, it's worked out for you because there are times where you had to move more into town, into Asheville. Yep. And I think you did a couple stints of that where you still had the home here, but you had another home that you lived there more. Yeah, when the kids were middle school age and school and all the activities and everything going on, 30 miles from Asheville, which was like where you had to be to didn't have to be, but uh, it's what the kids were drawn to and wanted to do, so we supported them in that, and that meant moving in for the middle school years for about four of them there. Mm-hmm. But you still maintained your still relationships maintained, here? Yeah, maintained the relationships here, did what, what we could do when it needed to be done. If you were in Asheville and a ice storm or snow came, you were pretty much stuck, but if you were here, you, you know, you always get out and start plowing the road or cut trees out of the way or whatever has to be done. And when you were living in town and you also have another home that your business is that you spend some time in, what's the difference between your experience with relational neighbors in town living on the same street, many people, as opposed to more rural neighbors? Hardly know the neighbors at all in town. Wow. Know the gal across the street where we have the, the business now in Fletcher. It's a nice, tight little neighborhood. Older, I guess the houses in there, they developed it probably 1980. Huge trees all around. It's like being out here. And it's really too many huge trees for being too close to, to houses. The tree deal brings you together because the neighbor uh, had one go down. And you go over and make sure everybody's all right because I'm right on the house. And wow. you have to uh, do what you can do to help out. It's not like the neighbors all know each other. It was just some unfortunate incident that brings you together do you think it's because in the town it's people are coming and going much more than of course being out here we're 30 minute drive to the nearest town even though we most of us commute for work into town we spend a lot of time out here also Mm -hmm. this is slower pace yep and in town where where we are in fletcher now everybody's working they're not working out of their house like we are. The house that mm-hmm. we bought in Fletcher, we bought it because we bought the business that was run out of the basement of the house, and that's why we bought the whole house. And it's very convenient to have the house and have your business in the basement, and you can run it there so you don't have to go somewhere else to go to work. But we do come back out here as often as we can, but it's not a, as much of a rat race. Mm-hmm. So you're not on, on your little... Uh electrical powered little Polaris that you, I used to love you driving. It was like you were patrolling just to checking out what Stop was happening driving. here. And Needs batteries. I haven't gotten around to putting batteries in it yet. Uh, you had that nice it's little, on the list. Nice little cart. Brandy had this it's cart this that, that we would go around. There was, remember that time that it was almost a storm. We were going to clear the road and we were thinking, what the hell are we out here? <laughs> oh, these branches are flying around us, but we we're clearing, clearing the road a little bit. Mm-hmm. But, Mm-hmm. But it, to me, it was like those kind of times that brought us even you know closer together, that aspect of whether it was an hour to just help out, just to check in. You go for a walk with your dogs, and 
you'll just come by the house just to chase the cats. Check in. Yeah. <laughs> they chase the cats and just check in. Yeah. But it's a wonderful feeling knowing that if I do need something, whether it is of need that I know I can count on you or just hanging out, you'll go ahead and text me and say, having a fire. Come on up. You want some dinner? Tigers are playing tonight. Tigers on are TV. playing tonight. Get, get on TV. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Since Ramsey's house is one of the ones that have TVs, we we kind of use his ass for that. You know? <laughs> but it's it's a way for a special occasion, whether it's a ball game or a World Series, to still come over. And I'm sure people in regular neighborhoods do all that. But there's something about I'd like you to kind of receive this. There's something about your innate willingness to just be so neighborly that makes your family and your house and you and Sally a focal point when I think about neighbor, a neighbor. Especially like we were talking about earlier, it's not just in our seven house neighbors. It's in the 15 mile radius that I know that people that you have had relationships and are friends that come over Mm -hmm. for gatherings. Yep. It's rural, but you get to know people. To, to a certain extent. Some of them you just know that they're there and others you know them. And it makes it special too when you, the people that we've known each other for years and they've had children and as their children are growing up and they become young adults, they end up now having relationships, children. right, and children. <laughs> but they feel and remember, like my son, my son grew up here since he was three years old and he's now 22, and he was excited to realize when he's home for Christmas that he's going to get to go to Randy and Sally's New Year's Day party. Right. And so as an adult now, he has a relationship with you. He's all house set for, for you many times when you've gone out of town, and so you've also just formed independent relationship with him, Mr. Z. Yeah. <laughs> Do you do that with other friends and neighbors? When they were here, but I think mm-hmm. they've moved on. Mm-hmm. The kids had friends in Asheville. They still see, and they're, you know, kids having kids now. A lot of our friends are grandparents. Does Sally inspire you how friendly and neighborly she is? Are you a tight ass sometimes when, when Sally says, yeah, I'm going to have so-and-so over, we're going to have a party? Do you ever say, nah, I don't want to do that? Or uh, I'm just curious how you guys... Uh, Bounce yeah, I, I do that. <laughs> How'd you know? <laughs> you do that? <laughs> yeah, I do that. <laughs> See? Because uh-huh. she seems always open. Yeah, well, that's, uh, you know, that's part of, like, what brought us together. Her family, when we got to be 15, 16 years old and started getting driver's license and could go out and drive around and be wild and crazy, her parents just opened up the house, and it was, like, always party it was always a place to go and so whenever you were out running around well, what do you want to do now i said let's go over to the buck's house mrs buck would have coca-colas and seven ups and when the people started the kids started getting into things that their parents didn't want them to it was still an open house it was a safe place hmm. you know there were I, I don't think there were any other places that were as safe as that. What do you mean by safe? I mean, you could go there and always feel welcome. Nobody was going to be giving you jazz. You Mm. know, uh, it was just something you could do. If you were doing some illicit things as teenagers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Some of them got into some real illicit stuff. 
Mm-hmm. And that was very unfortunate because they had, might have been just the start of it, but through the years, you know, they paid a huge price for it. Uh, unfortunately, they didn't receive the nurturing that they were able to, that was being offered back mm-hmm. in those days. But that was, that's part of our openness with our house was the fact that the Bucks house was always just a wide open, a safe place for pe- kids to go. So it's not like they could, they had to go out and party and be wild on the streets. There were several times where if kids were in trouble, the Bucks would talk to them and talk to their parents. So there was no hiding behind anything and seeing what kind of trouble you'd gotten into and out of and help with. So, mm-hmm. And one thing that I've learned from you is I learned how to stack some good wood. <laughs> 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 of all the times in the beginning of those years that... Man, I did. I had no clue how much wood that I was going to need to heat this house. And uh, the first couple of years, I was only getting a pickup truck. And now I get like two big dump trucks of wood. But when we started stacking, you showed me how to do those corners. Yeah, New England stack. And man, <laughs> I, I know how to stack some wood now. And I've got some wood maybe we're going to be stacking. I see that. It, yeah. That's just one load? Yeah, that's just one load yeah, right now. That's a nice one. Well, man. This was fun just to be neighborly and you coming by and us chatting Yeah. after um, being over at your house. It's like being in showbiz again. Yeah, you like that? I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You sound good. You're more nervous? Oh, right? no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> See, now it's easy. We'll just do this again on some other subject. Yeah, sure. Thank you, neighbor. Yeah, well, thank you. Mm-hmm. Good luck with it all. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Make yourselves a beautiful day. Let's go stack some wood. Relationships. Let's Talk About It is a production of HeartShare Counseling and Consulting PC of Asheville, North Carolina. For more on licensed professional counselor Prepo Teplitsky, visit heartsharecounseling.com. Theme music by Adi the Monk at adithemonk.com. This content is intended for informational purposes only, is not a substitute for professional counseling and psychotherapy, medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, and does not constitute medical or other professional advice. Relationships, Let's Talk About It is produced by PodCraft. Create your own great podcast today, faster and easier at podcraft.us.